0: Welcome everyone to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host Christina Pratt and I'd like to begin by calling in the Helping Spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to those people who lived well and died well and bring to each of us the legacy of those who have gone before us. We call out to all that is good and true and beautiful in that legacy and to bring that energy into our lives to support us, that we the living might do what we have been called into our time to do. We ask these ancestors to help us to meet the challenges of our time. By learning from how they met the challenges in their time, we ask for them to help us to bring forward our own creativity and innovation and to do so in a way that brings healing to those things that our ancestors couldn't sort out in a good way. We ask them to help us and allow them to hold the memory of what was so that we can learn from it and go forward differently. So we give great gratitude to those ancestors for gathering around and we reach beyond the human ancestors into the greater world here, that which is in form and that which is not. And we call out to these ancestors for being to be with us here today as well to support us in our journey, our journey as the living to truly rise to the challenges of our time and to do what each one of us was uniquely born to do so that we can bring to bear on our world uh, our gifts and our true power in a good way. So we give great gratitude to our ancestors in human form and in non-human form. And we give great thanks for all of the help that surrounds us. And then we take a moment to draw our energy from our head to our heart, and our heart to our bellies, and our bellies, we reach down and touch the earth. And for a moment, we give thanks for this day, for the wonder of this day, whatever it brings to you. For all that has been in your life that has brought you to this moment, for all that is and all that will be. We give great thanks for the gratitude and the generosity in this dreaming that allows us to have so very, very much And still to change in those places where we stand in the way of the great flow of things. So we give great gratitude to the earth. We take a moment and just stand in that place of awe for life itself. And in this place of gratitude and awe, we reach down through all the layers of the earth, down to the very center of the earth. And reaching down to the center of the earth, we take a moment and connect into this essence energy of stillness and silence, of darkness, the energy that is cool and restores and renews. We touch into this energy for a moment. And we reach in as you would scoop your hands into fresh, clear water that has risen to the surface on the earth on a hot, hot day, we reach into this energy of the earth and draw it up through all the layers of the earth, drawing this energy up into ourselves, into our day, and into these proceedings. And in this way, we draw into ourselves the energy that helps us to ground ourselves, to cultivate within ourselves a sense of place, a sense of what we stand for, a sense of who we are in the world and where we are, a sense of home, a sense of belonging. And ultimately, we ask the energies of the earth to help us to feel as this energy rises, this innate energy that emerges to the surface of the earth in abundance. I mean, we feel that within ourselves. And open our doors to our home, open the doors of our hearts to those who are different than we are, that we might come to understand through the challenges of the other, who it is that we truly came here to be. So we give thanks to the earth for helping us to understand this greater energy of connection and interconnection. And that great web of all life. And we ask the energy of the earth to help us to step into that oneness, even for just a moment today, so that we might take from that sense of oneness right relationship with ourselves, right relationship with others, right relationship with the invisible world. And we ask the energy of the earth simply to help us, to help us in this day to be a force of healing, a force of reconciliation and a force of peacemaking and so we draw the energy of the earth up up from our belly to our hearts and our hearts to our mind, And we send our energy up and out out through the sky above and whatever weather it holds up and out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and we reach up out through the cosmos past all the mysteries and all the heavenly bodies we reach out to the highest power of the universe And we connect with that energy there and we see ourselves in it and it in us and we draw this energy down, drawing down into our lives the energy of blessing and protection, the energy of generosity and devotion. The energy of benevolence and the beneficence of our universe. And we call down all the wisdom of the cosmos. And we draw this energy in, into our head and our heart and our belly. And we send this energy all the way down to the center of the earth. And in this way, we become this place of connection between heaven and earth. These two great cosmic forces. We allow these energies to rejuvenate and restore us, to inspire us. And we allow ourselves to feel this big love that is created as these two energies come together. And we ask that big love to awaken the spirit of our heart. We ask our heart to open and awaken to be the true crucible of transformation that it is designed to be, unlike any other chakra in our body. It is our heart. And we ask our heart to call up the fiery passions of our belly. We draw these energies up for they burn precisely for why we are here and we call down the crystal clarity of the mind and we ask those energies to help us to understand to help us to feel the memory of why we are here and so we ask these two energies to be held together in the heart in such a way that a deeper understanding of our true nature our true self comes to us in some way in this day and may we find in our heart the courage to change to create to do something, large or small, to bring this expression of self or these gifts into the world. We give great gratitude for the helping spirits around us and we ask them to help us to be sure that what needs to be said is said today, what needs to be heard is heard, and and that these proceedings go forward in a good way for all living things. I'd also like to give great gratitude to those of you that have been Uh, fearlessly and continuously donating to the show. Um, I am deeply grateful for you um, help me to keep the show going even when I'm off uh, teaching and in other places in the world. Um, You help me allow the show to continue to be new and available each week and yet also to keep the archives alive. So for those of you that download the show through iTunes, know that there's also a Why Shamanism Now website. And on that website, you can access the archives of all of the shows beginning the first week of 2009. Well, it's hours and hours (laughs) of... ideas about the practical application of shamanism and they wouldn't be there for everyone to access free around the world as long as they can get onto the internet if it weren't for those of you that help to support the show financially. So if this show moves you in any way, whether it moves you to passion and expression or frustration and irritation, you have been moved in the heart and I ask you to do something large or small to help the show to grow. If you would like to donate, you can go to the website, whyshamanismnow.com. To connect there, uh, click the support button and you can donate any amount, large or small. If you'd like to uh, sustain your payments as an automatic payment, you can set that up yourself through PayPal and make an automatic payment. And if you don't like doing any of that stuff on the Internet, you can email me at Christina at LastMaskCenter.org and I would be happy to give you a regular old address for a regular old check. Um, All of these offerings are Um, deeply appreciated they all go directly to to keeping the show on the air and at this time in the world the show would not be growing and would not be vital if those of you didn't also make the offerings to the show that are non-financial to share the show, to talk about the show to comment about the show on the Facebook page to bring the teachings into your own journey circles, to bring them into your life to wrestle with them, to take the challenges to do the things that we need to do as the living To change ourselves and in this way to create a new world for those who are coming. So I give thanks to all of you and all that you're doing in the many ways to help the show to grow and to stay vital and um, to be able to be of value to those of us here living in the new world. So thank you, everyone. We are live today, and if you have any questions about today's topic, you are welcome to call in at 512 772 1938. Or you can Skype in from the co com site, or simply email me at christina at org And so do not hesitate, even after the show has been live, to send questions. It helps us um, grow in our understanding of how we do this, this thing, shamanism, in the everyday world. So I'm continuing today on this little journey I began four weeks ago on. Um, of drawing on other people out here in the world that are doing their work in the world and in that providing a different way of looking at what we diagnose in the Western world as mental illness. And in looking at it differently, we see different avenues for towards health and well-being emerge. Um, and this is, of course, part of the point of why shamanism now is that the shamanic perspective on health and well-being and illness and disease um, often gives us other avenues um, to to grapple with those um, things that challenge us in life, those illnesses and diseases and diagnoses and whatever that challenge us in life. And so today I want to continue... Um, to dive a little bit more deeper into some of the ideas being brought forward by a man named David Tacey. So he says that what we diagnose as mental illness today grows ever more resistant to reason, logic, pharmaceuticals, and medicine. Um, And what if these are not illnesses of the mind, but diseases of the spirit? And so in his book, Gods and Diseases, um, David Tacey explores how we would understand and treat mental illness if we understood that by shutting spirit out of our lives, shutting the sacred out of our lives, our um, by the fact that our beliefs simply force spirit out and force it to enter through this side door of illness. And when we understand how spirit is trying to work with us through disease and illness, we can see that our suffering can be resolved or transformed when we introduce this dimension of our soul into the healing equation. So um, I started... Talking about this last week and offered um, a bunch of challenges last week. Um, and today, I would like to continue to just uh, do justice, hopefully, to um, David Tacey's ideas in and of themselves, which, as I said, you know, offer us another way of looking at how we uh, deal with the epidemic, really, of mental illness um, spanning the globe. Um, now, it's not that I naively assume that the mental illness Um, of the Western world um, has taken everybody by storm just because it's taken us by storm. But we do see that as peoples adopt a more Western way of living, um, Western for lack of a better word, way of living, that they do begin to develop our physical and mental diseases as well. And so... David Tacey is looking at this in his book, Gods and Diseases. So for those of you that didn't listen last week, Tacey is an author, teacher, and Australian, which is part of the reason he's probably not better known in the United States. Um, You'd think we'd pay attention to people all over the world with good ideas, but there you go. Anyway, he is an associate professor at, um, in Humanities at La Trobe University in Melbourne and he is recognized internationally as an authority in union psychology spirituality and mental health and he is the author of many books um, and as I said we're exploring this um, relatively new book called Gods and Diseases making sense of our physical and mental well-being and I am going to try to focus today mostly on the mental illness part because these four shows are all in response to a really common um, question that I receive, which is asking about shamanism and mental illness. And while I think there's a natural relationship there between shamanic healing and addressing what we call mental illness, um, it's not so easy to find people to talk about it on the show. So anyway, Tacey is a very respected and a very respectable academic. His book is not about shamanism that what his work um, includes is the impact of indigenous peoples and the dreaming and the land of Australia on his life and thus on his development as a person and thus on the development of his ideas as a professional. Um, And there are some tie-ins to shamanism that that I will make and I don't want to claim that Tacey made these tie-ins, but the groundwork is definitely laid. So there are some really important points in his intro to his whole premise, which is by excluding the sacred from our life and moving into a world that is largely mediated through the mind, through um, you know believing that what we see is all that there is and not having a cultivated relationship with the sacred, that we are forcing the energies of the sacred who are in relationship with us regardless to enter our lives as he says through the back door because we no longer have a front entrance meaning we no longer have a culture that teaches us to be in relationship with the sacred in a good way because we no longer have that front door opened um, we, we force the sacred to use the side door and that presents as accidents and illness and disease in our life. Okay, now to talk about that, though, he lays some groundwork that I think is really important and well worth reading for those of you that are trying to progress these other ideas about health and healing in the world. Um, So one of the ideas he presents in laying this groundwork is that knowing what is the problem, uh, for example, knowing your migraine comes uh, from your perfectionism or knowing your cancer comes from being too nice. This knowing idea in terms of conceptual knowledge is not enough. Um, And things will only change if there is a real commitment and dedication, not just passive listening to these ideas, um, but that the soul and the body must be engaged, they must be listened to, and they must be encountered in an attitude of complete receptivity and openness. Versus judgments, for example, you, that perfectionist, you're giving me a migraine, you're a bad self. You know, that's not helpful. Um, So he's talking about how approaching the illness in a human being, particularly mental illness, purely through knowing, means almost by definition we are not going to be able to get at the place within the human where the illness or the disruption the disease is rooted, because it's not rooted in the knowing. So the next thing is that Tacey acknowledges that what he's talking about is about somatic or bodily disturbances that trace their origin in the psyche, but what's important to understand is he's not talking about psychosomatic illnesses, He explains that this idea of a psychosomatic illness ignores the workings of the unconscious and assumes the patient has brought the disease upon his or herself. And that the concept of the psyche in this tradition, this this tradition of psychosomatic illnesses, um, is far too narrow and assumes the psyche is essentially conscious. Um, In other words, if only he or she could awaken to the various destructive patterns, all would be well. Um, and this is the problem with those who profess this, this idea of change your story, change your life as being only an issue of mind over matter or positive thinking. That the root cause of sickness may be extremely difficult to access, particularly via the mind, um, as it lies outside of the realm of our thoughts. And the very ideas, um, the very ideas show a failure to understand the true complexity of the mind and its unconscious dynamics. And I would also add that, that this idea, there, I mean, I certainly profess a version of change the story, change the world. You know? So I'm not saying this isn't um, a, f- a function in the bigger picture of things, but it is not the only element. And to treat it simplistically as if all I need to do is change my mind and I'll be well is an abuse of, of the actual spiritual truth that is embedded in there. The other piece that I would say personally is that this idea that it's all about positive thinking, it's all just about changing um, the way I think about something, um, is really a failure to trust that there is another way to think about this, that there is a crazy logic that I need to ask spirit to help me to follow, because I can't follow it, because my mind refuses to follow paths that aren't logical paths, because it's the nature of the mind. I mean, bless its heart, but... Um, so, you get my point, and and Tacey's point. He also has a really long and well-written response to Susan Sontag's classic work, Illness as Metaphor, which is a sustained criticism of the idea that metaphor, myth, and meaning play a role in the formation of disease. Um, And partly because in, in the shallow interpretation of metaphor, myth, and meaning playing a role in disease, it's very easy to just turn that into blaming the patient. And that's never helpful. And it's not the point. Um, I suggest actually that you get Gods and Diseases and read read the book fully. But his point is that this perspective, that that illness and disease has nothing to do with metaphor, myth, or meaning, that this particular perspective arises out of the workings of a secular humanist mind. And how it, that kind of mind, can misinterpret the experience of the sacred. For such a mind, the sacred is nothing more than a burden and a humiliation. And I would just say, you know, so where would we be, we shamanic practitioners, we who are interested in shamanism and an active working relationship with the sacred? You know, where would we be if we were going to just consider the sacred nothing more than a burden and humiliation? I mean, it just, it's not, they're not compatible ways of thinking, and yet at the same time, I experience people often in sort of contemporary shamanic world succumbing to this, where we're basically working with people with disease and illness and essentially blaming them for their illnesses, and it's, it's not helpful. And so we need to understand deeper And this is the value, I think, in Tacey's work, is to understand deeper what it means to work with someone in this realm of myth and meaning, which is is the realm shamanism operates in very effectively if the practitioner is willing to go there, him or herself. And just because you're journeying doesn't mean you're entering this realm because your mind has to go there too. And your mind has to be cultivated and trained to do that because a typical Western mind won't. But anyway, that's me going on. And back to Tacey. So Tacey says that the primary assumption in in his work, his primary assumption is that illness and disease have a purpose, that they are not random, and that there is no blame in that. It is the beginning of discovering a path. And Tacey shares a quote from Albert um, Kreinhater, Uh, who wrote a really interesting book uh, a while back called, um, that's about his experience with cancer in the final days of his life. And he said, um, every illness is an onslaught upon us as we are. Somehow we get so alienated from the whole of life that a very extreme invasion is necessary to break in upon the hardened formation of oneself, that we must be weakened and crushed So that we will finally be so loosened and liquefied that the spirit, that the life spirit can flow into us again. While I agree with this, I also wanted to comment that one of the great learnings, the really essential pieces that I took from my own spontaneous initiatory experience was the understanding that faith is free fall. It's a liquid state of grace. In which all change is possible, but this is exact. And not but. And this is exactly what he's saying: that we must get to a place where we are, we are so loosened and liquefied that the life spirit can flow into us again. So this this idea, then, this new way of looking at illness requires a new way of looking at yourself. This is kind of the next piece of his premise here. And facing the fact that you may not have been living as your true self for a long while. That's my emphasis. But I think it's a very important point to face the fact that when illness, when mental illness arises, it may be a sign that you have not been actually living your true life for a long while, while you might have been living a very typical, let's say, American life that might have had nothing to do with your true life, and per- perhaps not even for your whole lifetime. tacy continues that it is difficult to live the truth of your being, especially if that being does not fit in with those around you, that we have such a strong desire to fit in, that our own selves may be injured or hurt in this adjustment to social reality. And for me, this is an exceedingly important point, um, in this book that Tacey points out um, that the, an aspect of mental illness is the damage that, first there's this level of damage that we do to our true self to fit into our contemporary society. And then only to find out in our teenage years usually that this society has failed to uphold its side of the social contract, which is to tend the gates of life, and in particular in our teenage years, realizing it's not tending the gate of initiation. There is a knowing in that time that something big is supposed to happen. And it isn't happening. And nobody around you even knows it's missing. And this is part of the great crushing depression of teendom. And so so we have this damage we've done to ourselves to fit in to our family and our society, only to discover later that not only is our family failing us in understanding this truer meaning of life, but our society is failing in its social contract to tend the gates that must be tended by the whole so that the individual can move through it. And by gates, I mean the gates of birth, the gates of death, the gates of initiation, and that, that ability to give us a language to engage with this sacred dimension in our life. And so, so this, this, um, what happens then is there's this compounding of the betrayal of the true self. So first you betray yourself for your society and your family, and then the society betrays you. And then in the mental illness that arises out of all of this, people betray themselves again. And so this, this is this layer upon layer upon layer of not surrendering to the true self and allowing in that surrender for the contemporary life to collapse and the true self to emerge. And again, this, this is not coming out of a place of blaming the person. It's coming out of an understanding of what we're doing to our soul when we're simply living a normal in this case, American life, and in his case, Australian life. And and part of it that I, I have to say is that this understanding is at the heart of the cycle teachings. People always ask me, why should I bother to do your four years? I'm not going to be trained to be a shaman. What's the point? And, and it's like missing the entire point of the rebirth of shamanism at this time, which is not about whether or not you... Selfishly get to be the special shaman. It is about how we, the people, must regain the skills to engage in a sacred life. And this is what Tacey is saying. We must regain these skills as individuals so that we can participate in our communal life in such a way that we create societies that aren't betraying us as individuals. So that we aren't falling into this morass of mental illness because of all of these layers of betrayal that this is this is really the essence I think the deeper purpose of the resurfacing of shamanic teachings at this time around the globe and this for me is the value and the heart of the cycle teachings and why For all these years, when it was clear, I certainly could have made a hell of a lot more money training shamans and certifying people, that I have stuck to these teachings because they're medicine for a world that is quite literally going crazy in a bad way. So, moving right along. And back to Tacey. So the next point that he makes is that God's archetypes, symbols, and the sacred are, for practical purposes, synonymous. We have been shutting them out and they want to get in. And they break down doors, forcing their way in, and doing so causes terrible wounds and disabilities. And so, this is precisely what Maladoma Somme is explaining in the article that began this series, um, where where he is, uh, someone is writing about what Maladoma says about what he sees when he looks at a mental health a mental illness hospital here in the United States here in the Western world it's that we are connected already we are in relationship with our helping spirits we are in relationship with the archetypes that move through our world and move through us that we are already connected and what we need to be we need to become conscious of this and to choose to create the quality of relationship that serves our true self and that true self's purpose here in the world. So it's very important um, to realize that, in a sense, in shutting these these energies out, which are by definition of how this world works, going to be present in our lives anyway. By shutting them out, not knowing how to communicate with them or identify them or understand it at all, we're creating the problem. And And again, this is not blaming those who get ill, we are all creating this problem. So what Tacey says is the key is to recognize that these alien forces um, are part of our psychic reality and that we have to expand ourselves to include them in our identity. That most people think of themselves as merely an ego, a conscious being, not a field upon which forces are at play. So, if we can only move from the idea of ourselves as a hardened ego to the idea of ourselves as an open field, a great many things can shift and transformation can take place. This is a really important idea for for many reasons, but one of the most fundamental is that when we think of ourselves as a hardened ego, we don't set up correct boundaries because we think the ego is the boundary. And that is a great fallacy. And so, part of learning to have a healthy energy body, groundedness, and actual energetic boundaries helps us then to not require the ego to harden its boundaries. Because the ego is entirely ineffective at having these kinds of um, healthy energetic boundaries. So this is very important to not uh, require our ego to become hardened by the simple fact that we are energetically lazy and ill-informed and not willing to do the daily practices that cultivate true, living, breathing, healthy energy body boundaries. So again, that was me, not Tacey. But back to Tacey. So another piece as he's laying down this foundation is that modernities struggle with a sacred life. And, and that this is this struggle is the issue. And he says in that there is a vicious circle in which modernity is caught oscillating between rationality that is boring and unproductive and an irrational expression of archetypal forces that is positively insane, a psychosis. So when the irrational forces are put back in place, the dynamics of spirit are banished and surrounded with an aura of shame. And what humanity needs is a middle place between the flat land of rationality and the sublime realm of the gods. I couldn't agree more. He said it much better than I would, but this is exactly the problem that I see with the majority of activity around the sacred plants in the contemporary world is it is simply playing into exactly this dynamic that Tacey is talking about. It's that the sacred plants become this escape from this boring mundane realm into this sublime realm of the gods and then back, people just end up back in this boring, um, unproductive and uh, uninteresting flatland of rationality. And that the sacred plants aren't being engaged in in a way that they transform us so that we can transform the boring flatland rationality. We become different people that then create a different world. And so what I see is this, this use of the sacred plants without a container, without a direction, without a focus. And so even though the sacred plants are what they have always been, they are a great gift to humanity, I still see the humanity piece simply oscillating back and forth between these two extremes. and not using this piece of shamanism to evolve and to change. And so Tacey goes on just in, in these. To, these are all the ideas that are part of the foundation of where he's trying to go in, in his, in his uh, book. Generally speaking, what he is saying is that religions as a as a way to access the sacred have simply grown too strict, too rigid, too patriarchal, um often profoundly hypocritical, um and much of what was ritual has become empty ceremony and where ceremony would still function is um called to, called to task in a sense because the very ceremonial sharing of values aren't necessarily shared by the power structure in the religion across the board so so there's a, a dubious quality going on there but the most important thing that he's saying is that religions as they as they have been shaped and practiced are simply too rigid for where people are in their lives on the planet right now and then of course he's also saying then the 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 this idea of spirituality anything goes new agey kind of thing is too vapid in its self-centered concerns for personal benefit and personal good feelings for personal abundance personal this personal that and that a true spiritual practice only actually becomes a spiritual practice when it supports our spirit not our ego and our desires that that it helps us to understand the distinction between our wants and our needs and helps us to connect into the actual needs of our spirit. And, and Because when we connect in the needs of our spirit, we're connecting into how do I participate in my life in a way that has a deep meaning. Because it's about how I'm connecting to the oneness, what I'm offering to the whole, how, how I am affecting the bigger world. Not just whether or not I am personally satisfied in this moment. And so, in other words, a spiritual practice is about the oneness. It's about this larger expression of the self, this understanding of our own larger self, not about personal satisfaction and personal needs and personal feeling good. Um, So now, Tacey doesn't go there in his book, but I'm going to because it's my show. And... The thing that I see reading this book again and again and again that a true shamanic practice, shamanism as a spiritual practice, not shamanism as me, 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 I, you know, I've been touched by Aya to give the ayahuasca message to the universe or me, 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 I'm the shaman. If we get out of this shamanism as an ego expression and we actually enter into shamanic practice, right, then I see shamanism creating this middle place. Allowing us to work with spirit again, as humanity has throughout time, to understand how do we in our time create this middle place where every human has a front door to the sacred and that society does its role for the people so that the people are supported in doing their role for humanity. How do we return to this sane relationship between the individual and the society, and for me, I I actually believe shamanic shared shamanic skills can do that. Um, again, Tasty's not saying that though, and so I don't want to want you to think, I don't want to um, taint him <laughs> with my shamanic ideas. Okay. So what Tasty explains is that since we make no room for the gods and do not respect them or invest energy or interest in their well-being, the situation we face is difficult. He says that in 1929, Jung announced, the gods have become diseases because they seem to have no other option in our lives than to become factors of disturbance, like no front door, right? Since our minds ignore them, the only place they have left to make themselves felt and draw our attention is in our bodies, in sufferings and sexual disturbances. Um, Then we might listen, and even then, we might not. Some of us seem more prepared to suffer blindly, mutely, than to admit that the world might be enchanted by forces beyond ourselves. And so one expression, really common expression of this, for those of us in shamanic practice, uh, uh, healing practice, is the helping spirits presenting as a problem in people's lives. That The very spirits that could help them being the source of the illness. And this is not at all uncommon in the past, but in contemporary shamanism either. So one aspect is, because there's no front door, because people don't have a means by which to communicate with their helping spirits, and they are struggling in life, and they are asking for help, that their helping spirits, in a sense, are rushing in, in a way the person doesn't understand. And so the very influx of the helping spirit's energy becomes a problem or begins to be perceived of as the problem. So that's one manifestation of it in an everyday contemporary shamanic healing practice. But the other aspect of it is a situation where your helping spirits are actually holding back or perhaps holding you back because you're trying to start a process that you haven't begun yet. For example, I have a, a client who who is a young man who wants very much to explore the possibility of some kind of sexual abuse in his childhood. And as, you, as most of you know, in America, there tends to be, this is a tendency, but there tends to be much greater challenge for young men dealing with discovering a possible um, incest with another man in their life than for girls. And so here is this young man who's potentially going to discover a kind of sexual abuse in his past that can raise the huge red flags of homophobia. And he has no spiritual life. And so his helping spirits are actually holding him back from the process he wants to engage in and ultimately needs to engage in because he has no skills. He has no capacity do this journey without causing himself further damage. So there are both ways that we see this this, um, issue of because we aren't culturally requiring people to create a front door, creating that value for it, teaching people how to do it, that the very relationship with our helping spirits in and of itself becomes a problem. Now, Tacey is very moved by the story of Jacob wrestling the angel Uh, from Genesis in the Hebrew Bible. And in that story, for those of you like me who had no idea what he was talking about, the angel of God attacks Jacob uh, because the angel doesn't know Jacob's name. And Jacob eventually gives the angel his name and refuses to stop fighting um, until he's given a blessing. And Tacey deeply values this teaching story in helping us to understand this fundamental relationship we as humans have with the sacred. And the messengers of the sacred. Um, And what he says is, if spirit remains alien, in other words, the angel didn't know Jacob's name. So, if spirit remains alien, and then we have not yet attempted to befriend it, it will assault the ego with force and violence. The enmity between spirit and ego originates from the fact that one does not know the other. So, in other words, it's not because they have some kind of antagonistic, dualistic relationship. It's simply because they don't know each other. The messenger of God appears as a vengeful figure in sacred stories. And only after the human figure has accepted the divinity of the intruder can the transformation take place. The divine other interrupts our lives again and again and again in the sacred stories. Sorry, that was me going on. Anyway, Tacy says, the divine other interrupts our lives. And only when we have made the necessary readjustments... Um, is a higher integration of body and spirit possible. And so understanding this archetypal pattern in life is essential to understanding Tacey's ideas. And in particular, not falling into this shallow interpretation of blaming versus understanding we're talking about our responsibility in relationship, in relationships that are already present in our life and they're not going away. And so how do we attend to them? Okay. So the book is rich and full of many, many ways of looking at illness like cancer and different uh, diagnoses of mental illness. A lot of it goes back to and is based on his uh, writings here about initiation and ego death. And again, it's simply well worth reading Tacey's own writing about this. But what is important is the distinction between a romantic, simplistic idea of initiation as the literal death of the ego, and the actual death that is sought through initiation rituals of indigenous people. And so as Tacey says, the uh, initiation process is designed to kill the ego-bound personality and replace it with a different center of authority, so that's a very sophisticated and different idea than this romantic notion of having an ego death and never having to, you know, wash your own clothes again, you know, because everything's going to be magically clean. The initi- okay, so again, the initiation process is designed to kill the ego-bound personality and replace it with a different center of authority. We must not believe that the ego itself is being terminated or killed off. No ceremony that I know of seeks to do this. And if we think this way, we are again imposing a Western fantasy on indigenous cultures. What is being destroyed is the notion that we live entirely in and from the ego. It is our identification with the ego that is terminated, a concept that is highly sophisticated from a psychological point of view. So, the point then is when the tyranny of the rational mind, the prove-it-to-believe-it ego-identified self is reorganized, to allow a more authentic expression of the self to guide us and the ego to support us, then we can begin to create right relationship with the sacred and the mundane. And this is really important if we're talking about mental illness or what is diagnosed as mental illness. is it's not just about the relationship with the sacred. It's also about right relationship with everyday life, with the mundane, with what's boring. Right. So Tacy says that what separates madness from health is whether or not we can find an appropriate container to hold these powers, meaning the sacred. Uh, We need to recognize their eternal nature apart from our human nature. This separation of cosmic power from personal power is crucial, and only the cultivation of a spiritual attitude is able to carry us to safety and sanity. I see the relationship with helping spirits that we cultivate through journeying as precisely the way that we can sort this out, this relationship between the cosmic power and the personal power, this relationship between the eternal nature and our human nature, that this, this is a dynamic that we as contemporary people need to relearn. And for me, journeying and working with helping spirits through the journey technique has been the fundamental teacher in this, and it's it's a profound teacher, and it precisely helps us sort this out. And as we gain, as we journey and work with spirit, we get spirit's help in sorting this out. And this circles back to my point that in right relationship, the helping spirits teach us to be better humans. And this is why it is so important To move to become a culture that culturally supports creating a front entrance for a relationship with spirit. Because we need it to be better humans. And the important thing in this is we, the human element, we are responsible for the creation of that relationship the quality of it, the nature of it. Is it an addictive relationship? Is it a panic-driven relationship? Is it a fear-based relationship? Is it a love-based relationship? Is it a teacher-student relationship? What kind of relationship is it? So Tacey says that it is only when we reach out of our comfort zone, oh, sorry, it is only when we are wrenched out of our comfort zone uh, that we see reality for what it is. Much psychosis in human experience is precisely about the gods invading the human domain. The gods are reappearing in our time, and suffering is the primary site of their unveiling. He continues, When the gods crash through the barriers, we are so dazed we don't see them as gods. They remain unperceived, since the conscious life is so removed from the numinous background, which is foreign to it. He continues, Interior strength needs to be found, else the gods will sweep us away, ...with their intensity and blinding light. The ego is an unworthy... It is unworthy to... Cont- i sorry. The ego is an unworthy container of the gods. And if it tries to hold them... ...it will be blown to pieces in schizophrenia. And this is a diagnosis... ...that I am shown by spirit again and again... ...when I'm asked to work with people... ...with schizophrenia. Is that precisely this... ...that they have endeavored to contain... ...the forces of their spirit... spirit around us through the ego and the ego can't do it it is an unworthy container of these energies and it just shatters and so the important thing is that we as a culture become a culture that supports true initiation in our teenage years so that we help people to shape a right relationship with the ego so that they can uh, tap inside of themselves the aspects of herself that can be good containers for their relationship with spirit, right? And so Tacey continues that we must invite the gods to enter our psychic space, not to identify with them. Right? And so this is such an important piece, especially with schizophrenia, right? No, you're not the one. You are part of oneness, right? This, this, this messianic, Uh, piece that happens is that we need to invite the gods into our psychic space and not identify with them but begin to become in relationship with them and work with them and I think shamanic belief systems shamanic people shamanic practices all lend themselves to this kind of balanced relationship because it's not um uh, unifocused religion. It's not, a, it's not a linear religion. It's a circular way of understanding the movement of energy and spirit and everyday life. Right. So, um, we must invite the gods to enter our psychic space, not identify with them. Our task is to hold on to our humanity while we welcome the gods back into our lives. Our sanity and that of civilization depends on that subtle balancing act. So the skills for a shamanic life are exactly about the skills for this subtle balancing act. And this is the point. I mean, not Tacey's point. It's my point. Um, not everyone gets to be the shaman. Um, not everyone should want to be the shaman. That um, This is the proof that the initiation actually hasn't occurred when this attitude remains so self-serving. Um, The development of shamanic life skills are so that we can personally maintain that balance Tacey's talking about. Taking responsibility for our mental wellness so that we can then also participate in our communal life in a way that creates a society that supports mental wellness. So my question, if we go back to the statement Tacey made, though, um, about uh, the gods come crashing in. Right? And they remain unperceived since the conscious life is so removed from the numinous. So what if the numinous is not separate from conscious life? Right? Tacey says they remain unperceived because it is so foreign. So what if we understood uh, how critically necessary it is to participate in community in a way that the community we collectively create isn't separate or foreign from the numinous? I think this is a part of our answer to our mental health crisis. So we can't continue to treat, treat this as an individual problem with individual illness. That this is about us as a community and how society is failing its job with the individual um, and thus not helping the individual where the individual is failing themselves. So what is odd to me throughout the whole discussion and actually everybody else that I've read about this is there seems to be this assumption that society will stay the same. And actually, society never does stay the same. So um, the way I see this is that society must take on its sacred functions once again in our lives and stop failing us or mental illness will prevail. That we have no choice uh, but to change ourselves in a way that changes our community so that our community can once again begin assisting in the shaping of a human through true ritual and powerful ceremony. The community needs to help us to learn the language of the sacred and to tend the gates that must be held by many so that the individual can pass through. And I don't really see this as being such a big leap from where we are today. Why can't we start teaching any kid who wants to how to journey? Why can't we start celebrating the helping spirits um, as a normal activity with kids and help them make costumes and masks and ways to celebrate their helping spirits and ways to share what they're learning from them? You know, why can't we start having, again, community dance rituals with people of all ages where they come to dance in a sacred way for sacred reasons? And why can't we become communities that tend the gates of birth and death and initiation? The only reason we can't do these things is because we don't personally have the skills. But, you know, that's not so hard to get the skills, and so the challenge here that's that's interesting that Tacey brings up is that you know adolescence is beginning earlier and earlier for kids. And and yet at the same time, culturally, the Western world is in danger of never growing out of adolescence at any age, right? And in contrast, in the indigenous mind, adolescence lasts exactly as long as the initiatory experience lasts. If it's a five day initiation, adolescence lasts five days. That in essence, You begin that ritual, a child, and you come out an adult, and adolescence is precisely that long. And there's no reason we can't create that. Aboriginal elders warned the missionaries. They encountered that if the trials of initiation were stopped, there would be an even greater suffering that would be unleashed on the uninitiated. And I think we are living in that reality today. That we see this greater suffering unfolding today in the epidemics of depression and mental illness, addiction, sexual abuse, and suicide plaguing the contemporary quote-unquote first world and all of those who follow us into our in our developmental and religious footsteps. Our ego-based society cannot understand that it is the task of the culture to tell the person who he or she really is. So Tacey continues to talk about um, different states of mental illness um, or issues of mental unwellness, like suicide, um, self-harm, depression, um, other kinds of psychosis, different things. Um, But I'm also running out of time. So what I'm going to say here in closing is allow um, Tacey actually to summarize himself in this way. So what he is saying is that we need to, number one, stop cursing and get used to the fact that the forces are at work in our lives um, and, and in our diseases, period. Two, we need to befriend these alien impulses and attempt to understand their shape and character. Three, we need to integrate the lost or rejected aspects of our own beings that these forces represent. And number four, we need to allow them to change our lives, so that the will of these um, rejected aspects can be fulfilled. And as you allow your life to change and yourself to be changed in this way, the true or the authentic self emerges more fully. So for the rant that's on the Facebook page for the show, there you go. This isn't about free will or no free will, as if you personally, because of your free will, are in control. You have choice, but you are not in control. These are two very different things. The unconscious self also has access to your free will, and thus the need for practices and a way of living that systematically makes the unconscious conscious. And so our relationship with the sacred um, must be maintained if we are to take responsibility for our own mental health and wellness and thus the challenges that i gave um last week their journey challenges and dance challenges and i renewed an old challenges around grounding and boundaries and even offered the clearing class um, as a challenge and these are all 30-day challenges and i encourage you to explore um these challenges, perhaps to buy Tacey's book, Gods and Diseases, and read about this this way of understanding how it is our relationship with the sacred and our and our the structures of our community's relationship or lack of relationship with the sacred and then the relationship that ensues then between the individual and the community, that these things are all at the root of what we are diagnosing as mental illness. And if we continue to approach this illness and lack of well-being as we are today, we will continue to ignore the root of this problem and miss this opportunity um, by bringing the sacred in and creating a front door culturally to change this not only for ourselves but for the generations to come. So I want to give thanks to the ancestors and their unbelievable patience with us as they keep reteaching us by uh, what it means to be a better human. So I give gratitude to the ancestors, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. I do want to remind people that there are a couple upcoming classes here this fall um, in Portland at Last Mass Center, and one is a one-day basic shamanic journeying class that's on set september 13th it's a saturday and the other is the clearing class which is the last offering of the clearing practice that i talk about all the time on the show uh here in portland it is october 10th through 12th it's a friday night through a sunday lunchtime um, class and that you can register for each of these by going to the appropriate month on the calendar and you can register through the calendar at lastmaskcenter.org All right. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week.